Hi, and welcome to the Lift Podcast. This will be in a video format and an audio format, and we're just glad that you're joining us today. Um, let's go ahead and introduce ourselves. I'm Brooke Miller, and um, I grew up in the Washington area and have moved out here to Idaho. And uh, my husband is um, cousins with Annie, and so that's how we originally met. And um, Annie, do you want to tell us a little bit about who you are and what Lyft is? What's the mission of Lyft? Okay, so Lyft really was created because I've I've worked in fitness facilities for a long time and taught fitness classes. I've done personal training. I've done a lot of research into nutrition and taught nutrition classes. And the thing that I found is that there was a whole other aspect of health that was being left out in this nutrition and fitness field. Because if we are not healthy inside, if we don't have healthy um, organization in our mind and, if, and ideas and beliefs in our mind, and we don't have healthy emotions that are going on within our body as well and in our soul, then, then really we can't be very healthy as a whole. So LIFT is something that, that looks at all parts of a person's health and it's, that's why it's called LIFT, Mind, Body, Spirit, because we do, we want to lift our, our bodies to be healthier, obviously through nutrition and through exercise, through fitness, but really we want to be lifting our mind and lifting our spirit to be coming up to higher, healthier levels. And we know that things originate with the mind. And when we can identify what ideas in our mind are not correct, and we can remove those and replace them with with ideas that really are true and correct, then those things can be what will originate that thought then, that, that true thought will then become an emotion and then that will turn into an action. So if we can start with what's going on with the mind, and then it will ripple out in increasing and lifting the health of the spirit and increasing and lifting the health of the body as well. So that's what LIFT was created for, to really help lift people to higher levels of health in their mind, in their body, and in their spirit. Perfect. And um, in the podcast um, segment of the program, we will focus a lot on mind work and um, it'll filter out into things like decision making, relationship strengthening. And then, of course, it will affect our physical health, too, because like you just said, how we think is how we will act. And it's those actions that will take effect on our physical body. So um, really, this focus on the mind cannot be underestimated. It's incredibly important. And that's a lot of what the podcast will focus on, but not completely. You'll find some other elements also here in the podcast to come. Um, I just want to give a little bit of a religious disclaimer. So I think that uh, everybody could agree that there is a higher power. Um, we at Lyft believe that that higher power is through God the Father and working through his son Jesus Christ. And so a lot of what we say will be given through a Christian perspective, but that is not um, limited to people who only believe in Jesus Christ. We believe that our principles will be of benefit to many diverse individuals. Do you have anything to add to that? Yeah, I do want to okay. add something to that. I found long ago that um, just by listening to our conscience, listening to that intuition that was already within us, and that's the intuition that tells us when we need to say sorry to someone, when we've lied, when we've done something that we know we're not supposed to, when we feel guilty and we feel 
a little bit, almost a little bit worried inside that someone's gonna find out. Just that feeling inside that we are not settled when we know we're not on the right track, when we're not doing something. And every person in the world has that. And I really truly believe that's God's way of speaking to our soul. Our conscience is literally His voice letting us know when we've either left the correct path or we're getting close to leaving the correct path and he's letting us know this isn't right and he's beckoning us to come back, fix whatever we need to so that we can get back on that right path. Every person in the world feels this. And um, so I actually believe that people who are following their conscience are all serving the same God, regardless of what religious... They believe. Yeah, what religious be. affiliation they belong to. So yes. I agree. I, I agree with that too. I, I do. And I think we respect everybody who follows the dictates of their own conscience. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. So when you okay. said that, that we want that everyone is welcome here, I think that we have a lot more in common religion-wise really yes. of what we really believe in or following inside. Yes, I've always Regardless that of too. what church we might be at on Sunday. Yeah. Okay, thank you. So our main topic today for our first podcast is, um, it comes from a verse in the Bible, actually. It was spoken by Jesus Christ. And he said, and they shall know the truth and the truth shall make them free. So let's talk a little bit about freedom. What do we want to be free from? What's he talking about? How else could this apply? What are your thoughts on being free and why it's significant? Um, well, this is going to also go back to Revelation. In Revelation in the Bible, it talks about how there was a war in heaven. And we believe that we have physical bodies and those physical bodies originated from from mortal parents and we can look and see who our biological father and our biological mother were and that's that's where our physical body came from but we believe that our spirit originated from a, a really deity a divine heavenly being a father and a mother and that's who we believe God is we truly believe that God is the father of our spirit and that we have a heavenly mother as well so we we have this physical body and within that physical body we have a spiritual body and um, so in this war in heaven there was a plan presented where we could come to earth and we could get a physical body and we could go through a testing period and a learning period here in this mortal life here on earth and learn things that would help us become like our heavenly parents would help us to develop the attributes that they have while we're here in this mortal period and, and during that time period up in heaven, when that plan was presented, there were people who opposed that plan. And they said, no, we don't want to go to earth and have to choose for ourselves if we want to become like God. We just want it to be a forced thing where everyone just has to develop these attributes and they don't get to choose for themselves. And that is not an eternal principle. That is not an eternal truth. Everyone should have agency and everyone should respect one another's agency. That doesn't mean there's not going to be consequences, obviously, that are going to be connected to that. And agency means the freedom to be able to choose for themselves. So when this war broke out, there were people who actually fought for for this agency, fought for this freedom, and there were people who chose not to, who chose to give it up and said, no, I think I'd rather just take this easy path and have it handed to me, which it really could never be handed to me. That wouldn't have even worked. So so when we so when we come to this mortal life, I really believe the same um the same opportunity to choose is presented to us. Are we gonna still 
choose things that allow us to be free here in mortality the same way that we chose to be for that plan of freedom in in our life in heaven before we came here when we were just spirits and now there's this opportunity here to be tested to see if we're going to still follow the same things that allow us to be free so what are some of the things in this life <clears throat> that take away our freedom i think there's lots of things but the things that really come to the top of my mind are if you're stuck in a job working a career for day after day after day that is not feeling fulfilling to you and you actually dread going to work, that is a form of bondage. That's some kind of way that you've given up your freedom and and probably not fulfilling your potential of what you could really become. So when you feel that feeling of of being trapped almost, and some people will feel that with their own body with health, they can mm -hmm. feel very much like they're trapped inside a body that's unhealthy. Um, definitely we can see that with forms of addiction. There's mm -hmm. all sorts of, of bondage and freedom that's given up there. Mm -hmm. I think anytime that we just follow the tradition of our family or our society ar around us and we just keep following that tradition, we can get trapped in that. And, and that doesn't mean that that's, those traditions may not be a bad thing, but when we haven't actually stopped and used our own mind to evaluate those traditions, and decide for ourselves if those are the traditions we want in our life and that we want to continue to perpetuate or if there's a way that we can improve those traditions. Um, that's another form of, yeah. of bondage, really, that we can give up that freedom if we just are plotting along, following the same the, the same, same patterns that have already been laid out. And it's absolutely. just easy to go through without even thinking deliberately about the path of your life if you're just kind of you know, following something that's already in place and already has a momentum. It may not be serving you. It may be restricting your freedom. Another kind of um, bondage can be an emotional bondage. And that can come from uh, choices that we've made or maybe um, others have inflicted injury on us emotionally or mentally. And um, sometimes ideas can trap us, just like we we're talking about our thoughts. We can be so we can have an idea in our mind that um, is so bonding to us that we can't break free from it, and it is inhibiting us in our lives. And so, um, those are the kinds of things that I think we want to address here on this podcast. Can I expand yeah. on that? I absolutely, I completely agree with what you're saying about an idea can be a form of bondage, and I honestly think that is that is one of the very first forms of bondage is that when we allow an incorrect belief to come in and we and we keep that and we hold on to that as if it is truth that can that can remain a bondage to us for the rest of our lives until we actually finally pull it out and examine it and look at it and remove it if it's not correct we really often don't fall into the bondage of like a a super unhealthy relationship or a a career that feels like bondage or even an unhealthy body, we very rarely just fall into those. Often those have originated from an incorrect belief that has been in our mind for a while that has played itself out. Yes, uh, in addition to that, uh, ideas that can be bonding to us, um, I think some of the most either powerful or poisonous ideas are the ones that we believe about ourselves. So I was thinking as you were talking about um, math, all through school I was never strong in math. 
In fact, I failed pre-algebra, or maybe it's algebra, in my eighth grade year. I failed it, and then that summer my dad took me down downtown Portland, and we went to Powell's Bookstore and bought a big fat math workbook, and all summer long he tutored me in math to just to show me that you, you are not dumb, you can do math, and I'm gonna help you do it. So, so I did that, and then I kind of got through math in high school, and then I went into Math 101 in college, which is basic math, shouldn't be hard. Got a C minus in that, and I just kept thinking, I'm bad at math, math is hard, and um, it's just a belief I had about myself, I'm not good at math, or a belief that math is hard. And so when I got into my um, upper level classes for my degree, I had to take math 305 and 306, which I knew would be really hard. It's elementary math, it doesn't sound hard, but it's so removed from traditional math that it's a whole new way of thinking. And I thought, okay, because I'm not good at math, I'm going to have to put in all this extra effort. And so I sat on the front row and I asked lots of questions and every single day I went to tutoring. And guess what I found out? I had a top score in the math class. That's so, awesome. So all this time I believed I was bad at math and I couldn't do math. See how that idea was a bondage to me because I didn't go out and try things. I didn't, um, I didn't do things that I thought were hard because I thought I would fail at them. The fear of failure can be a bondage. And it turns out I'm great at math, but it also turns out that um, the idea that math is hard and that in order to be good at something, it should come easy. I've learned over the years too, a new idea that's liberating when that is those others who are good at math, they struggle with it too. The struggle is a sign when you're struggling and grappling with it, that's a sign that you are going to succeed with it. So that's just an example of how just an idea can put us into bondage. Well, and anything that we want to become better at, really, truly, there's a price to be paid for that. Right. So the struggle and sticking with the struggle, sitting on the front row, going to the tutoring, yeah. that's the price that's paid. Yes. And the you really received the benefit and the blessing, the outcome that was attached to that price that you paid. Right. So I think that kind of leads us into um, my next thought is, so the quote that we are talking about is, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. So then what is the truth? You know, and I, off the top of my head, I just think right now there are like hundreds or thousands or maybe millions of truths to be discovered. Don't you think? Yes. That there are, there's not, I don't even think Jesus, when he said this was talking about one truth, but there is, there are probably a couple like fundamental truths of the universe that everything can stem from. But I think there are many, many gems of truth to discover that will unlock doors in our lives. What are your thoughts about I that? I think so too. And I think that, um, I even think that sometimes at some point in time, something can be, I wouldn't say true for me, but really right, can be right for me, but it may not be right for you at the same yes. point in time. Does that make sense? Yes. Uh -huh. and, um, and one of the things I think about really is when our daughter was, our oldest daughter was ready to, to go to school and I just felt so strongly inside that we were supposed to homeschool but I was super scared to do that. Um, I had my degree in exercise science so I knew I could do a great PE class for her but I did. I kind of worried about if I could if I could really give her the rest of the subjects and do it well and um, and still that that thought was there and so my husband and I discussed it and then we researched every school in our area we found a school that we felt very, well, I shouldn't say we felt very good about, but we found a school that had all these top criteria that would be, that would have been a good fit. 
And um, every day that I took her, she was able to get into that school. It was a magnet school. And she was able to get in. And every day that I took her, it did not feel right. And the staff was wonderful. The teacher was working as hard as she could to do a good job. I just, but every day that I dropped her off, I, it didn't feel right. And, um, and honestly, I almost felt like I was in bondage to that school bell that rang at 7.55 every day. And there would be, there might've been in the morning, one of the kids might've had a meltdown or my oldest daughter might've been sad about something. She's kindergarten age. And she may have been sad about something. I didn't have the time as a mom and the ability as a mom to stop and really address those emotional concerns and help her work through them and identify identify what was going to fix them correctly because we had a school bell that was going to ring at a certain time and we had to be out the door. And I remember feeling like I was in bondage to that school bell. And so when we, after a couple weeks of taking her, no, that's wrong, after two months of taking her, I think it had been six weeks, we, I finally was like, I feel, I feel, do not feel good inside. I feel trapped. And the, and then we decided to homeschool. And that was like, whatever chains that I had, I had placed around myself were completely broken free. And I felt such freedom, such happiness, knowing that I, I could choose whatever I wanted to for my family. We could go on field trips. We could stop the math lesson to work out whatever argument had taken place between my kids it was it was absolute complete freedom however there could be some people that would be in that state and feel like that was a bondage to be homeschooling mm -hmm. does that make sense right and so so i think that really a lot of it is when it says the truth shall set you free is tuning into that that instruction that you're receiving through your conscience and recognizing what it's telling you because it's going to be leading you to freedom individually it will be individually leading each of us to freedom so so this is obviously not and homeschooling is obviously maybe not a one of those truths of the universe mm -hmm. but for me at that point in time it was the right thing and it was what set me free my own whatever internal and i think that probably what it was was the idea in my mind that i can't homeschool I can't mm -hmm. teach my daughter myself. And that was the idea that I was in bondage to. Mm -hmm. But once I decided, no, I can do this, can. it was completely gone. And the emotion that resulted wasn't an emotion of stress or, it, I, I honestly felt like I felt a feeling of depression when I sent her off to school. All of those emotions left and they were replaced with happiness and faith and this hope and excitement mm -hmm. that I could do this. Yeah, I love that um, you talked about that. Maybe it's maybe that's not an eternal truth. So let's talk a little bit about different kinds of truth. Um, I asked my husband this the other day we were driving in the car. He's not a really philosophical man, so I was just curious what he would think about. He had some really great thoughts on this. Um, but kind of what the two of us determined was that, and so I'll, I'm curious to see if you agree with this or if you have more to add or to tweak it. I don't know that this idea is exactly accurate or pinpointed. Um, but let's get a discussion going. I think there may be there, I've kind of categorized truths into two categories. There are truths, um, eternal truths of the universe. For example, um, that the earth revolves around the sun is a truth, right? We all think that as a truth versus circumstantial truths like, um, are you where you say you're going to be? Like, are you telling the truth? Um, oh, yes. Or like, um, just did 
did you do what you said you were going to do or are you telling a lie? There's that kind of truth, circumstantial truths versus eternal truths. Do you think that truth can be categorized into those two compartments? Do you see any other ways to categorize truth? So when I think of truth, I think that the opposite of that is a falsehood or a lie. So if we have truth in our mind, then that means there's no falsehoods there. But I believe that most of us, the majority of us, have a little bit of truth and a little bit of falsehoods. And it's part of our responsibility to weed out whatever those falsehoods are. And usually the way to find those falsehoods is to look at something that's not going in our right in our life and then drive it back to what emotion or what motive caused mm-hmm. that and and then eventually find what idea or what belief is at the root of that and how that needs to be changed. And an idea that I that I hung on to, I remember somebody saying when I was in college before I had children and they were talking about they were talking about moms and I can't remember even how it came about, but someone had was talking to me about a friend that I knew and she said, well, she's just totally gotten lost in mommyhood. She has let herself go. She hasn't been doing any of her own things. And, and I remember that I grasped onto this idea at that time that when I had children, I needed to make sure that I didn't get lost in mommyhood. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> that whatever mommyhood is. Right. <laughs> but, but I felt like the, the thing that was going to fix that was for me to always have my own thing. Mm-hmm. As long as I always had something that I was doing that was my own thing, then I wouldn't get lost in mommyhood. And um, so when my kids were young, my first two, my oldest two, I was teaching fitness classes at a gym. And, and this gym that I was teaching at was clear across town from where we lived. And every time that I had to go and teach, I would wake my daughters up, wake one of my daughters up from her nap put her in the car with a bag of Cheerios, give her these snacks in the car, and I would say, okay, eat, we've got to get there. And on the drive, she would be starting to eat, and then she'd just fall asleep in her car seat. She totally needed more rest. It was right in the middle of her nap time. And the other thing about that that class in particular that I was teaching at that time, it was um, it was a company that I was teaching for, the class that I represented. With, I represented this company and taught their class. So that means that they planned out all the choreography and picked out all the music for me. And they used a lot of music with suggestive lyrics, lyrics that I did not feel good about at all. And and so I would have those earbuds in and I'd be listening to that music because I didn't want to listen to it out loud. I didn't want my kids to hear it. But I would listen to it, practice my choreography. and, um, And every time it got close to that time when I needed to go teach my class, I actually felt like I was in bondage that I was, it was another clock that someone else was ticking that I had to be there at a certain time to be able to teach. And I knew that my kids weren't getting their the rest that they needed for their proper nap time. And the other thing is that I, I had no choice, no more freedom to pick and choose the choreography or the music that I wanted to anymore. And so, so eventually I ended up realizing this isn't what I want. And so I quit teaching that class but it taught me a lot is that I had to actually go back to what motivated me to hang on to that while I had little children that needed that needed good nap times, that needed a good schedule. And and when I actually quit teaching, I will say that that's when I embraced mommyhood to its fullest. 
And I was like, bring this on. This is the time of life that I want to get lost in mommyhood. I have I have all these littles and they're like little sponges. And this is the time that I can teach them. This is the time that I can instruct them and, and really help them learn and grow and, and soak up truth at such a young age and soak up good habits at a young age. And, and when I actually decided to quit teaching those fitness classes at, at that time, it was, a, it was a form of liberation or freedom for me. But I think it all originated with that idea in my mind yeah. that I, in order to not get lost in mommyhood or, get, or the idea that getting lost in mommyhood was a bad thing. Right. I don't even think anything right. was... I think that's exactly what I should have been doing with my time right. at, at that season uh-huh. of life when my kids were young. Well, I was thinking about um, this idea of circumstantial truth versus eternal truths and how I think every circumstantial truth that we base our decisions on are can usually or probably always be linked to an eternal truth. So I was even thinking back to your previous example um, of homeschooling mm-hmm. and what what the eternal truth would be that would be linked to that. And I think there are probably multiple, but one of the ones that jumps right off to me that... Um, I believe in is that we have the ability to receive direction for our own lives. Like you were saying, you know, following our conscience, that it's going to be different for each person. The truth isn't, like you were saying, the truth isn't that everybody needs to homeschool. The truth is that we all have a little bit of light in us and a conscience that can be guided and directed from God or whatever higher power um, people may believe in. Um, to you know, f- chart the best course for their own individual life. That's an, e- an example of an eternal truth. And, and also, as you're speaking, I started thinking another eternal truth is that as spirit children of deity, as spirit children of God, we have the ability to become like him, and his work is to bring to pass the immortality and eternal life of man who are his spirit children. He wants us, and, and all of his work revolves around helping us to become like him and that doesn't mean we're ever going to actually be just like him because each time that we increase in wisdom and understanding and truth and glory that just gives him even more glory mm-hmm. as his spirit children grow up to become like him that increases his glory and he's always going to be far more glorious than we are but we can rise up and we'll continue to rise and that will give him more glory as we go along but so this so this idea that I would get lost in mommyhood or this idea that um, that I couldn't teach my own children in homeschooling is actually a very false idea because that is the very thing that parents and parents for eternity are doing. That's their very role is to take this their spirit children and give give them all that they can to help them increase in wisdom and understanding so that they can have eternal life and immortality as well. You know, it's interesting as you've talked about this, I was thinking um, about some of the things that maybe I have felt a little bit in bondage to throughout my life. And even though my conscience or whatever inside of me is saying something's wrong here, kind of my internal gauge is saying something's not right here. I'm feeling frustrated or feeling feelings of depression like you said, like those are kind of the red flags. I think um, that there is some kind of um, eternal truth to be found that will be liberating. Um, It's not just a matter of sitting down, identifying what I'm feeling in bondage about, identifying the truth and then grasping and going on. Sometimes you struggle for a long time to find the Uh thing that applies to your specific situation. 
I honestly believe that anytime that we're having a feeling like something just doesn't quite feel right and we usually will notice it as an emotion that there's something that's just not quite feeling right and if we actually the tendency the human tendency is to push through that mm -hmm. to push it aside ignore it to do something else that will actually distract us from paying attention to it and I honestly think that's what a lot of our um, a lot of the prescription drugs are kind of something that says, okay, let's not really pay attention to the emotion you're feeling. Let's just give you something to make it go away mm -hmm. or make you not think of it or give you a different symptom so you're focused on the different mm -hmm. symptom. Does that make sense? And I'm not saying just prescription drugs are all bad because there's definitely a time and a place mm -hmm. where they can be helpful. But, but being able to really have the confidence to say, you know what, I'm feeling this emotion and it's, even though it's not a beautiful emotion, it's not a pretty emotion, it might be depression, it might be anxiety, it might be fear, whatever it is, but really say, I am totally feeling this emotion. And I started feeling this emotion because of this situation, mm -hmm. and these are the thoughts that came into mm -hmm. my mind. And when you start identifying what thoughts came into your mind, and, and that uh, the example that I would have had with the homeschooling is that is that I had the impression I, from my conscience that I should be homeschooling and teaching my teaching my children at home. And then came in all the thoughts. You don't know what you're doing. You don't have a background in that. Are they going to be social? Are they going to know how to interact with other kids? Are, you know, obviously you're going to be really, really weird. Just all of these different things that started coming into my mind. And, and then the emotion that I felt afterwards was this fear and this insecurity mm -hmm. and this, no way, I'm not gonna do that. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna go research these other schools and send my daughter to a school, mm -hmm. does that make sense? Yeah. So in our homeschooling, that was one of, the, one of the impressions that I had very strongly was that we needed to focus on true stories of people who had courage and faith and, and accomplished great things. And as we researched and got into their stories, we found that all of them were guided by that conscience and almost all of them broke out of whatever the no. the mode mm -hmm. or the belief mm -hmm. was the traditions of whatever their society they were in almost every single one of them broke out of it like Joan of Arc is a great example uh -huh. I mean in our day and age we would have been like oh she's a cross-dresser mm -hmm. I look at her as one of like one of the greatest example of women oh Harriet Tubman I love yeah. I mean here here was someone who really knew this is not right and I'm gonna fight for my freedom and then not only that but she went back and put herself at risk so many other times mm -hmm. to help other people mm -hmm. get to a state of freedom too so so I think that throughout history there have been people who have recognized that that the what's going on around them isn't necessarily the correct thing for them to continue to perpetuate mm -hmm. and they they met a lot of opposition as they tried to break out of that norm but man they're the ones that are written about throughout history. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about how we determine if something is a truth or not. Um, I've heard it said that truth is things as they really are and things as they really will be. There, a truth doesn't change. It's not one thing yesterday and something else today. And in fact, the scriptures say God is an unchanging God. He's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And so he is a God based on truth. Um, and there's a little story that is one of my favorites that I think of often because truth isn't always something that is tangible. You can't always prove a truth. Yeah. But um, 
there is a religious leader in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. He's passed away now, but his name was Richard G. Scott, and he was oh, um, a physicist, a nuclear. Um, do you know what he was? He was I can't a, remember some kind a of nuclear scientist. physicist, like a really educated worked for the government um, in labs and things. And he said him and some colleagues were doing some testing on radiation in the air. Do you know this story? I don't think I know this oh, story. Okay. It's my favorite. I think about it all the time. He was doing, they were doing testing on, sorry, I'm gonna close the door real quick. They were watching that baking competition or whatever oh, it is, yeah. but I don't want to, <laughs> I don't want to give that in the background. So Richard G. Scott was, um, doing some testing in a lab with some of his colleagues and they were testing waves of something in the air. I wish I were more scientific so I could tell you specifically what, but they were, this is the gist of it. They were testing things in the air, waves and frequencies and things that can't be seen with the eye. And one day he was staying after to kind of put away some things and clean up. He was the only one in the room and the janitor came in to clean and the janitor said, he walked in, he just came in, and he saw nothing in the air, but he saw all of this high-tech equipment. And he looked at Richard Scott and said, you are all liars, because I know that you sit in this room and you have all this government money and you're doing nothing. You have made this all up, because I know if you can't see it, taste it, touch it, feel it, or smell it, it's not real. And so then in this talk that he was giving, he just talked about, there are things that are true and that exist that cannot be sensed with the five senses. And to me, when I heard that story, like it just rang so true that we cannot expect our five senses to be the only way that we can find truth. So in conclusion of our podcast, we would like to teach you a formula that we think um, has been effective in our own lives and might be helpful to you also. In the LIFT program, you'll see other formulas available to you as well. And um, we like the idea of formulas because they're just um, a concrete way to sort our thoughts and behaviors to get the best results in our lives. So um, to begin with, um, in the formula for finding truth, it's probably going to start with a question in our hearts, um, an idea that we're grappling with, maybe some information has been presented to us or we have an idea and we're not quite settled on how we um, feel about that or what our beliefs are about that. So um, that's the first part of the formula is recognizing the idea that we are going to either challenge or accept. Um, so the next thing to do would be to um, sort through our our thoughts and our beliefs. Do you want to talk a little bit about how to do that? When we start with that original thought of questioning, wait a minute, is this right? That questioning usually comes because of a situation that we encounter maybe, or something that's brought up, information we're presented, or it could begin with just, just this nagging feeling, almost like this feeling inside that something's not right, and it's our conscience really letting us know something's not quite right. So when we, we begin with that, then we start to actually evaluate what our thoughts are in regards to, and what our beliefs and ideas have been in regards to the topic. Mm -hmm. And when we sort through, sort through what those beliefs are, we can then start to identify things that maybe have been a belief the majority of our life, but we've never actually stopped and evaluated if they're if it's really a correct or a good belief or a strong belief that should even stay in our mind. And that's 
what what I believe is part of God's intention with us is for us to stop and and evaluate and use our own intelligence to our intellect to really stop and evaluate things that are correct and then pull out what's not and really hang on to what is. And it's possible that right off the bat as you, you know, usually an idea comes with a cluster of ideas and thoughts that are all associated together. And and it's possible that right off the bat, you're going to be able to weed out and say, well, I know, you know, I've been thinking this, but now that I think about it deliberately, I know this isn't true. So you can start throwing these out and then you may remain with a few that you're not sure about. And so the next part of the formula is to do your research on that and go to sources that you trust um, to find any words of wisdom in relation to that idea. So um, Annie talked earlier about using the light of Christ or the Holy Ghost, your conscience, praying, um, asking God about these ideas that you're struggling with, and um, he can give you thoughts, ideas, and feelings associated with it. Um, Also, it's been my very concrete experience that um, more than just an instant answer from him to me, Um, is that he guides my path to the other resources that I need, particular books, articles, people. um, And that's another part of the research process is seeking out mentors, people who you see good fruits in their life, people that you would want to pattern your life in a similar way and, you know, counsel with them about what you're struggling with, with your ideas and get their open and candid feedback on 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 your thoughts. And that's, I loved how you said that because that's something that I'll often do is, is in that prayer when I'm asking God to help me, help me identify what the truth is. That's usually a regular part of that prayer is help lead me to the information that I need, help lead me to the right people, the right places. And, and because of that, I do have those trusted sources that I know I can go to when I have questions about things because these are people that I trust. Right. And not only that I trust, but that I know for certain God led me to there. Mm-hmm. He answered that prayer and, and gave me them as a resource. Yes. So that's a really important part of the formula. It takes a lot of action and deliberate thought and time. But once you've gone through that research part of the formula and you're kind of settled on what you think you've discovered to be a truth, the next step then is to treat it like a seed. Plant it. Plant it in your heart. Plant it in your mind. And then... Go into action. Take action and live your life within the framework of that truth that you've discovered. For me, sometimes I have struggled with um, or been presented with ideas that challenge my own religious beliefs. And um, so this would be another example. After I've done all of my research and I've talked to my mentors and I've kind of settled on a a religious idea that I believe, something that I think is a truth, then I keep that in my heart and my mind and I, I look at the world through that lens and I just wear that religious idea and belief in my mind and in my soul for a while, you know, for a few weeks. And then I see, how do I feel about, how do I feel now about this belief? Has, has keeping this belief brought good fruits in my life or is it causing um, not good fruits because if after you've been wearing a belief and keeping a belief inside of you and and living your life in the perspective and the reference of that seed or belief and you're starting to get negative fruits then maybe it's time to go back to the beginning of the formula and try again with a new belief i love how you said that because one of the things i kept feeling inspired to say is is that throughout Lyft, we'll talk about really our ability to 
to lift ourselves higher, to, to be lifted, and to raise ourselves to higher levels in our character, our mind, our body, our spirit. And, um, and the, the core belief that is really driving me, the truth that is, is a truth that I 100% I believe, is that we really truly are the offspring of deity and we have the potential to become as they are. And so, so some people may listen to that and think, I don't know, I don't know that I could really ever think of myself that way. Some people may think that's actually blasphemy to think that we could be, that we could ever become like God. And um, I had a conversation with a, with a neighbor many years back, and he had said that to me that, that how how could you even think that you could become like that? And I and I pointed out just all of the things in the world around us that are in this cycle that that grow up these little seeds, just a tiny little seed that can grow into this massive tree, and. Um, and I said, all of these miracles are taking place by something so small and insignificant turning into something grand and something that can bring forth fruit. And then in each of those little fruits is a whole bunch of little more seeds that can grow. And and um, and so so that's really an invitation that I have to everyone that is that is joining Lyft and thinking about joining Lyft is to to maybe just take that perspective, take that belief, plant that seed, and just in your mind think. Okay, if this is true, if I really could become like God, if I really could grow into that and have that potential, what actions am I then going to take? Am I going to be comfortable just sitting on the couch watching Netflix? And, not, and I'm not saying that's ever, you know, that that's always bad or anything, but are we going to be are we going to be comfortable ever being complacent? If we know that there's a potential that we can be rising higher, um, so just just plant that seed and start acting on it and start saying, okay, if I really can become like God, am I going to settle for fast food on a regular basis? Obviously, there is a time when fast food could be very helpful, <laughs> but am I going to settle for fast food on a regular basis, or am I going to actually take these grains? learn how to sprout them or learn how to grind them or learn how to bake with them or learn how to plant some of my things and grow my own things and practice becoming this mini creator mm-hmm. and practice some of these things that will actually lift us and allow us to become more like God. Start, my, my invitation is to just start trying that. Start trying that mindset that if I really am a child of God that can grow into this potential, what decisions am I going to make that are actually going to be better decisions and produce better fruit and see what the results are. I love that. Thank you so much for ending on that. And thank you so much for joining us on our first podcast. We'll see you next time. We are the start of a movement. We do the things worth doing. We know this is our moment. So we are.